Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a weekly look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up, we'll have a look at this week's Louisiana Ag News headlines. We'll check out the latest happenings at the state capitol and in Washington, D.C. in our grassroots government segment. We'll hear from one of you as we take you to the fields and pastures of the Bayou State and find out the latest in crop and cattle conditions. And we'll look inside the markets with commentary from experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. All of this and more coming up on this week's podcast. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Kerry Martin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, episode number 23, for Friday, December 14th of 2018. I'm your host, Kerry Martin. Well, this is the last podcast for the year, and it has been a great year. We started this podcast back in April of this year and managed to crank out 23 episodes. I have really enjoyed doing it, and I've really enjoyed hearing back from you on your opinions and thoughts regarding this podcast. I'm so happy to hear that so many of you listen, and I'm glad that you enjoy getting the news and information we provide for you through this podcast medium. It's been an experiment, and I think it's been a very successful one, and we will continue it well on into 2019. Well, looking ahead into this week's podcast, we've got a lot of ground to cover. Our news headline segment is going to be a little longer than usual because we just have a lot going on here at the end of the year. The USA Rice Federation held their Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego, and my good buddy Don Molino headed out there to cover that conference, so he has a lot of stories, a lot of information coming out of the Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego, and we'll feature all of that. Avery Davidson also took a trip up to Chicago to the DTN Progressive Farmer Ag Summit. And we had some Louisiana folks there that he interviewed and talked to, and we'll bring you stories and interviews from that conference as well. And the biggest news this week, we finally have a farm bill headed to President Trump's desk for his signature. A lot of things happened over the past week to make that a reality. We'll touch on that in news headlines as well as in our grassroots government segment. All of that and more is coming up on Episode 23 of The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. And we kick it all off right now. Here's a look at the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Farm News Headlines, it looks like we will have a farm bill by the end of the year. The Farm Bill Conference Committee passed its report earlier in the week and sent it to both the Senate and the House. Then both chambers passed that report overwhelmingly. I commend Chairman Conway for his hard work to get us to this point. Now we need to get this bill to the president's desk. That's Louisiana Congressman and House Majority Whip Steve Scalise. Scalise says reforms in the bill are important for both farmers and taxpayers, and that includes changes to the SNAP program. When you look at the reforms that are included on the SNAP side, uh, you look at where we are right now today in our economy. Uh, There are literally more job openings than there are people looking for work. And does it make 
any sense at that same time that we're paying people not to work. We're going to give millions more people the opportunity to get into the workforce and become part of the American dream. The 2018 Farm Bill is now headed to the White House, awaiting President Trump's signature. We'll have more on the Farm Bill passage coming up in our grassroots government segment when we check in with Congressman Ralph Abraham, who sat on the Farm Bill Conference Committee. In other farm news, the USA Rice Federation held its annual USA Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego recently. Our own Don Molino attended that conference and brings us several stories today. The first one is not necessarily a positive story because this year has been a very rough year for a lot of Louisiana farmers, including Louisiana rice farmers. For one longtime farmer, the weather this year was just the final straw. He says it was the breaking point, the hill that's just too big to climb anymore. Don Molino has that story from San Diego. After 23 years of farming rice in southwest Louisiana, Kevin Birkin says he's calling it quits. The reason? Same problem a lot of folks had this year, the weather. 2019, um, God bless them, um, they're going to have to do it without me. Uh, This past year was my last crop. Uh, I'm moving on to other things. Uh, that uh, you and I could probably talk about in the future, but I'm uh, I'm got to the point where farming was just not paying for me, and there was last few years of subpar, subaverage yields and everything, subaverage prices. Prices, it's just uh, was not profitable, and so I'm not going to allow myself to just be put in a hole that I can't get out of. Uh, the last three or four years have been well below normal. So this has gotten back to a normal, maybe just a tad bit below normal. Still the prices are not where they need to be. Even with the PLC, it's still a struggle. If you are a rice farmer and you do not have crawfish as a rotation or cattle as a rotation, it is extremely, extremely difficult to make it uh, just do it being a rice farmer. And in this year, if you're a rice and soybean farmer, you're more than likely most of the soybeans, if not all, like me, was uh, destroyed because rains every week, two or three times a week, all the beans rotted on the vine, literally, in the field. I had 320 acres. I lost 320 acres. And in Jeff Davis Parish, where I'm from, there is like 16,500 acres of soybeans planted. And I would bet that there was probably 15,000 of that 16,500 was not harvested. It it was a widespread event. I planted my soybeans on rows to try to combat against the flooding and all that. But whenever you have rain two and three times a week for weeks on end and not stopping, there's nothing, absolutely nothing you could do about it. Albert Birkin says he will continue to host the Yellow Rails and Rice Festival as he's done for the past several years. At the USA Rice Outlet Conference in San Diego, I'm Don Molino for the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture Radio Network podcast. On a more positive note, Earl Garber of Acadia Parish was presented the Rice Award from Rice Farming Magazine during the awards luncheon at the 2018 USA Rice Outlet Conference in San Diego. Garber is a recently retired consultant with Pinnacle Sanders. 
He says getting the Rice Award was a very humbling experience. Because when you get your friends and your peers to nominate you for this, to say that you've done a good job in behalf of the, the rice industry, it really makes you feel good, and I'm really excited to be here for this award. How long have you been consulting? I've been consulting full-time now for about 18 years. I actually uh, was farming full-time for 23 years and then uh, left the partnership and dusted off my diploma and uh, became a licensed crop consultant in the state of Louisiana as well as a certified crop advisor through the uh, Society of Agronomy and uh, have been doing that work ever since uh, 2002. The executive director of the Rice Federation, Dr. Steve Lenscombe, has been working on a sustainability report for the U.S. rice industry since his retirement from the LSU Rice Research Station. Don Molino has another story from San Diego. Dr. Lenscombe says they've been working on the report for just over a year and it's almost finished. But it relates to, in our case, producing a crop with the the least impact on the environment, the least impact on natural resources, conservation and and wildlife habitat creation. When USA Rice started working with sustainability, we realized if we went back and looked over the past period of time, we've really made some significant improvements. So a decision was made to put together a report that documents all the improvements that have have been made in rice sustainability over the past more or less generation illustrated to me that rice has a huge sustainability history to talk about. I'm Don Molino at the USA Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego. Now from San Diego to Chicago. A Louisiana cattleman was the keynote speaker at the recent DTN Progressive Farmer Ag Summit there in Chicago. Avery Davidson attended the summit and had this report. Thanks, Carrie. I am in Chicago for the 2018 DTN, the Progressive Farmer Ag Summit, and it really is an amazing event. And I ran into a pretty cool person who you know pretty well. That would be Marty Woldridge from Caddo Parish, a cattle producer from there. And Marty, you were asked here to speak a little bit about what you're doing aside from just raising cattle, but also marketing them directly to the consumer. Yeah, that's right, Avery. Uh, DTN Progressive Farmer, they asked me to come back up this year. I've been here three years now. It's a great uh, event that they have, really uh, geared uh, to agriculture from the whole United States. We hear a lot of different things, but they asked me up to talk about what we do with Wooldridge Meat, where we're selling by the pound to the, directly to the consumer, be it a farmer's market, be it from the farm, or even where we're wholesaling beef through restaurants. So what, uh, what sort of questions did you get and what kind of information do you think it was important to, to tell these young farmers and ranchers and other folks from around the country? Well, you know, funny you brought that just the way you said that is we, the questions that I fielded were mostly from younger guys that are trying to get started, they're trying to make a few extra dollars out of what stock they already have on the farm and what they want to, how did I do it, why did I do it, but you know, I, I keep going back to, I eased into the market, I stuck my toe in the water, I didn't want to jump completely into it, but it was a natural fit for us where we had been selling holes and halves, now we're selling it by the pound because most people don't have a big freezer. They want to buy about $100 worth of meat on a regular basis. They don't want to buy two or $3,000 worth of meat all at once. So we were able to help them see uh, legality issues, insurance issues. Big One of the biggest questions I got today was about the insurance. Need a little extra insurance? Your normal farm liability policies are not going to cover what we're doing. You touched on this a little bit, but what keeps you coming back to the DTN Ag Summit? What do they offer here that you might not get at some of the other conferences across the country? Well, you know, 
being a part of something that's a progressive farmer for me. I grew up picking up my grandfather's copy of Progressive Farmer. I got a friend from Missouri that refers to the Progressive Farmer as the holy grail of ag publications. And it's such a neat thing for me to be a part of that, to interact with the editors, with the writers, these guys that I've read their articles, men and women that I've read their articles all these years. It's just a great family event uh, of producers from all over the country that are telling their stories, networking with each other, hearing those market outreach, uh, market outlooks, I mean, for next year. And, and even for today, what a great deal. We had Sonny Purdue here. We had the Secretary of Agriculture here to talk to us about trade issues and what have you. So they, they bring in great speakers, great to interact with John Deere. You know, we got to sit in this morning on a focus group with John Deere about their products and some new things that are going to be coming out. And that's something we don't get to do at some of these other events. Well, at this event, we're also going to be honoring a couple of friends of ours, Bobby and Melissa Morris of West Baton Rouge, sugar farmers from uh, that area. They are named as one of DTN, the Progressive Farmers, best young farmers and ranchers in America. Uh, it's an honor you've had, an honor that Clayton Hurdle has had before. Your thoughts for Bobby and Melissa? Well, a very unique uh, group to be a part of. I think it's in its ninth or tenth year now. They recognize five from the different regions of the United States. And yes, I was uh, awarded that honor two years ago. But, you know, Bobby and Melissa Morris, great friends through uh, growing up with them through our Young Farmer and Rancher program, having them on my committee, serving with them on the state board and what have you. It is so great to bring another Farm Bureau, Louisiana Farm Bureau family to Chicago and see them recognized for the great things they do. Well, Marty, thank you for joining me here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. A little bit later, you're going to hear from Bobby and Melissa Morris. Carrie, I'll send it back to you. The National Ag Statistics Service released its latest Louisiana crop production report this week showing yield and production data for cotton and sugarcane in Louisiana. As of December 1st, Louisiana upland cotton production is forecast at 410,000 bales. That's down 10,000 bales from the November forecast, but up 6,000 bales from last year. Cotton yield is expected to average 1,036 pounds per harvested acre. That's down 25 pounds from last month, but up 142 pounds from 2017. Louisiana cotton harvested acreage is estimated at 190,000 acres. That's down 27,000 from last year. Louisiana sugarcane production for sugar and seed is forecast at 15.8 million net tons, up 3% from the November estimate and up 7% from a year ago. Sugarcane yield is forecast at 34.3 net tons per acre, up 1.3 net tons from last month, and up 1.5 net tons from last year. Area harvested for sugar and seed totaled 462,000 acres. That's up 12,400 acres from last year. The Louisiana rice harvest has wrapped up for yet another year, but how did this past year turn out overall? Don Molino has the answer to that question in his final report from the USA Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego. I caught up with LSU Extension Service Rice Specialist Dr. Dustin Harold here at the USA Rice Outlook Conference in San Diego to ask him how 2018 turned out from his perspective. Was 2018 a rough year for Louisiana rice farmers? Well, overall, uh, the 2018 season actually turned out very well for Louisiana rice farmers, but that's not to say that we didn't have a lot of challenges on the way. Uh, one of the first challenges we were faced with in, in 2018 was very cold conditions during the early spring. 
probably from late February to the third week in April, we actually had cold temperatures. And this caused a lot of problems with our rice. Most of it emerged, but once it emerged, it kind of stood still because we didn't have those heat units for that rice to, to grow that we normally have. So we have uh, the rice is stressed from the cold, and then we add things, another stress on top of that, like herbicides. And now we've got a real problem on our hands because that rice can't metabolize the herbicide. It dings up the rice. We lose a little bit of stand. So that was a challenge early on. Um, but rice is very resilient. Uh, it came out of that. It was like a light switch turned on uh, at the end of April, and it's like it turned from winter to summer automatically, and it got real hot real fast. And not only was it hot, it was dry. And really, as long as the nighttime temperatures don't get excessive, hot and dry is really great for rice, as long as we can keep the water on the field. And we can do that. Uh, we can really come out with some good yields. In fact, if you talk to a lot of our rice growers, they'll tell you that the record yields usually come from those years that it's dry. And so we were fighting, you know, we, we had dry conditions, and we had some trouble keeping the water on the field, but for the most part, it was good. We moved in late into the season, and disease pressure was really kind of low. We didn't really have excessive insect pressure for 2018. And all of that, uh, we, we did have a little bit of sheath blight late in the season, uh, but it was still probably average to below average when all said and done. I would estimate that our yields... Right now for 2018 in Louisiana would probably be about 7,250 pounds per acre. That would put us at the second highest uh, yielding average uh, in Louisiana that we've had. So overall it was a good year, but not to say it wasn't challenging along the way. Put on your thinking cap, what does 2019 possibly look like? Well, 2019... Obviously, we're hoping for record yields, (laughs) but uh, 2019 looks good. I think a lot of our growers were very happy with the Provisia rice system uh, in in 2018, so we'll probably see increased acres uh, of Provisia in in 2019. Um, Rice Tech has also announced that they will have a new uh, ME herbicide uh, system out there that they're calling Full Page. And uh, similar to the Clearfield system, full page uh, is emi-resistant uh, rice. So it'll be exciting to see how well that does. Supposedly it has better uh, res- resistance to the emi herbicides, especially for that young hybrids, which was always kind of a problem with our Clearfield hybrids. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and there's also uh, some new uh, chemicals that, that other companies are offering. So we're going to have a lot of new tools in the toolbox next year and it's always fun learning to see what works and what doesn't work so overall i think i'm, I'm hoping for a great year and year uh if we talk about acres probably rice acres will probably be somewhat steady uh in 2019 in louisiana to slightly higher i'm don molino with the usa rice outlook conference in san diego on the voice of louisiana agriculture radio network podcast That is a look at some of the latest news headlines in Louisiana agriculture. Coming up next, we have a repeat guest. Congressman Ralph Abraham joins us again this week to give us an update on what's going on in Washington, D.C. There's a lot of activity here at the end of the year. It looks like the farm bill is going to be headed to President Trump's desk. Congressman Abraham will give us an update on that, as well as talk about the new WOTUS rule that was released this past week from EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers. He'll also give us an update on his bill to help Louisiana soybean farmers in this really tough year that they've had 
here in our state. Congressman Ralph Abraham is next on Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. You know your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gives you access to the best insurance on the planet, but it can also save you hundreds when you buy a car. On vacation, your Louisiana Farm Bureau membership gets you discounts on hotels and rental cars, and it makes you part of a group that's 143,000 families strong. So go to LAFarmBureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office to become a member. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana Agriculture. Agriculture. It's time for a look inside the halls of government in this week's edition of Grassroots Government on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. In Grassroots Government this week, we have once again with us Dr. Ralph Abraham, Congressman from Louisiana's 5th District. How are you today, Dr. Abraham? I'm good. I hope you guys are doing good also. Well, let's talk farm bill. You and I talked two weeks ago, and you were very optimistic that we would get a farm bill done this year. It looks like that optimism paid off. The conference committee, which you sit on, has passed their report out. And as of today, the Senate has actually uh, passed that final farm bill as well. So it looks like we're well on our way to getting this thing done. Yeah, the House is going to pass it. We're going to get it to the president's desk, and it'll be uh, it'll be done. Well, what kind of compromises did we have to make to get this bill moving? Uh, you know, some on the SNAP program. Uh, we actually, on the House side, you know, got everything that we asked for passed on the House side. And actually, when it went to the conference committee, we got 18 of the 21 uh, requirements that we had put on the house side in the senate bill now there were some things that uh, were left out of the senate version that i wish were in there but on the snap uh, side you know the farm bill uh, does in what we call broad based categorical eligibility which means that if someone uh could be qualified for food stamps simply because they got something in the mail that they said they needed heating assistance or something like that it does crack down on state waivers that uh, whittle down work requirements in the current law. So, you know, there were a lot of wins. And certainly on the farming side, there were some huge wins, not only for the nation's farmers, but for Louisiana farmers as well. Well, Congressman, I got a really good laugh out of the quote that was in Greg Hilburn's article in the Monroe News Star. You said there is just no way that we're going to let Nancy Pelosi write the next farm bill. Hey, look, let me tell you, and if we didn't get it done, that's exactly what would happen. And you do not want to see that farm bill uh, in any form or fashion, I can assure you, at least we don't in Louisiana. So, again, the the bill is really good for our farmers. Uh, Again, with SNAP, we, we will certainly work on that. We have given Secretary Purdue a lot of discretion. He can, uh, with regulatory issues, certainly consider to work on SNAP reforms. And, you know, we want the people that need the food to get the food. Uh, it's just those people that, uh, you know, are not working that can work. We would like to see them help, you know, help them get a job. And, my, you know, I guess my disappointment is that what we had on the House side 
would have allowed training for those people that want to get that better job. But now uh, we'll have to see. Let's talk a little bit about another issue that came out this week in Washington, D.C. EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers issued a new WOTUS rule, Waters of the U.S., very controversial rule that came out during the Obama administration. It's been all tied up in the courts. We got a new WOTUS yesterday. What's your thoughts on it? Oh, I like it. We're finally, with the Trump administration, getting some common sense back into the equation. So, uh, you know, the rule, the new rule certainly eliminates some of those uh, waterways or those little ditches that they considered uh, ephemeral waterways draining into a bigger river. So it's going to be great for our farmers. It's going to allow them to use the land like they want to use it, how they need to use it and get the federal government out of their tractor cab. So is this going to actually remedy the problem that we're having in the courts right now with WOTUS? Well, it's going to help. It's not going to do the full, you know, nine yards, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction, and it's a big step. How about your bill that you introduced a couple of weeks ago to help Louisiana soybean farmers access the uh, MFP program? Have you gotten any traction on that in Washington? We have gotten traction, and we are working on it even as uh, you and I speak. Uh, we have talked to the USDA on a daily basis. Uh, the question is whether we will have enough time before this Congress ends to get something done. I hope we do. We are working very, very hard and almost minute by minute to get this thing done. One final question. Big news came out from you uh, last week. You are actually going to throw your hat in the ring for governor. That's correct. Well, tell me about that. What's your plan for becoming governor of Louisiana? Certainly, those that know me know that you know I'm not going to do anything if I don't think I can be successful at it. And I really do think we can win this thing. Uh, again, I'm just tired of Louisiana being last or dead, you know, next to last in just about every category. And that's whether it's uh, education, whether it's science, whether it's uh, ability to do business in our state. Uh, we could actually lose another congressional district because so many people are leaving our state. Uh, and, you know, that's a problem. I want to fix some of that. Louisiana 5th District Congressman and now a candidate for governor of the great state of Louisiana, Ralph Abraham. Thank you so much, Dr. Abraham. Thank you, guys. you have a wonderful day. Coming up next, we go in the field to visit with one of the nation's top young farmers. And it's a farm couple right here in Louisiana, Bobby and Melissa Morris of West Baton Rouge Parish. We'll visit with them next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry 
helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana Sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. taking you to the fields of Louisiana as we hear from one of you in the field on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. On this week's In the Field segment, Avery Davidson visits with Bobby and Melissa Morris of West Baton Rouge Parish. Avery? Thanks, Carrie. We are in the field, but not really in the field. Actually, we're at the Fairmont Hotel in Chicago, Illinois for the 2018 DTN, the Progressive Farmer Ag Summit. And standing by with me, in the field are Bobby and Melissa Morris. And Bobby, Melissa, you guys were named one of America's best young farmers by DT and the Progressive Farmer. Tell me a little bit about that honor. Well, it's, 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 it's an honor to, uh, to get chosen. You know, we, we've met some great farmers over here. And uh, just to be in the category with those guys, it is, uh, it's amazing. You know, Melissa kind of surprised me with it. Uh, we, we won a few other uh, young farmer awards and she wanted to do this one last time because we are getting a, little, a lot older and we're not going to be classified as young farmers anymore. So uh, she said she wanted to do it one more time. So here we are. So Melissa, why did you want to do that again? Why did you want to go through that application process, the interviews and everything else? Well, I mean, it was like he said, it's our last one and I wanted to I did surprising with it, and it was a, a follow-up to the Achievement Award that we had won, and then he was selected as 40 under 40 in the Baton Rouge Business Report. And like he said, we're knocking on 40's door, and that's when it, it's all over with. So it was one more that we could do, and it's the biggest, so it's a big honor. Yes, it is. What's this experience been like for you coming here to Chicago, coming to your first DTN Ag Summit? Well, it's one, cold. <laughs> yeah, it, it is cold, you know. The biggest thing is just uh, uh, explaining our story to people. You know, it's, uh, we don't form grain, we form sugar cane. So, uh, and, and that is something people, they, some people didn't even know was in the United States. You know, they, they didn't know it was in Louisiana. So uh, just explaining our story to them, it's been, uh, it's been fun. Good thing we had a bunch of pictures on our phone because that's yeah. how we've been sharing our story with them to explain the process and how different it is from grain. They don't understand the routine crop and how it comes back year after year. So our, we've been explaining our story a lot in the last three days. Well, while you've been telling your story, harvest is still going on back in Louisiana. It's been cold and damp here. It's been wet back home. What has this harvest been like for you guys? Harvest, harvest has been, it's been tough, but, uh, uh, you know, we get it out every year. We, we got a great crop in, uh, in the field, and, and I, we have great people that, uh, that work with us on the farm. Uh, my brother-in-law has taken the reins over and just... Uh, uh, he, he's just taking off, you know. I, I, I talk to him every day and, and ask him why he's so grumpy. But uh, I kind of I, I kind of figure he was uh, he was going to be grumpy with me being over here and uh, him dealing with the weather and everything at home, you know. But he's doing a good job. And you also have a couple of little helpers who uh, work out on the farm and who aren't too little anymore. No, the nine-year-old and the thirteen-year-old when they're not playing baseball and basketball, they're they're out there helping us get it out. So what kind of jobs do they do out there on the farm, Bobby? Well, you know, they uh, they pretty much do anything I ask them. The oldest one, he kind of gets mad sometimes. You know, he's, uh, he's getting a little older, uh, wanting to fish all the time, doesn't understand why he has to work. You know, the little one, it kind of works at his convenience, but uh, he enjoys being out there, and uh, he'll, he'll jump on the tractor, 
kick one of the guys off and, and go out there, get loaded, dump in the truck, and just likes, uh, likes to do a little bit of everything. And if it's up to him, you guys are going to be expanding into animal operations, right? What's he talking about doing out there at the house? Now he wants a mini farm with all the farm animals. So he's got a shed and he's been working to put fence up and he's got animals coming now. He wants goats and chickens and pigs and miniature alpaca. I, I don't know. We, we're going to expand, I yeah, guess. Hard, hard to tell him no when he wants to do something like that. And he's working on it. He's, he's out there with my maintenance guy helping put the fence up and putting the roofs on the barns and building chicken coops and... So he's ready. Well, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You guys are hard workers and definitely getting some recognition you deserve here at the DTN Ag Summit, being named America's Best Young Farmers and Ranchers. Bobby and Melissa Morris here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Up next, it's time to take a look at the markets. We'll have our regular market analysts check in with us to talk about the grain and livestock markets. Next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Growing up in Sarepta, I could see the value of agriculture every time I left the house. Whether it was timber going to the paper mill or cattle in a pasture, I knew the farmers, ranchers, and landowners were keeping my hometown on the map. And the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation helps keep them in business. So join the Farm Bureau today. Become a member at lafarmbureau.org or call your parish Farm Bureau office. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now let's look at the markets with insight from the experts at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our friends at the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association, Greg and Grayson, are taking a little time off for the holidays, so we're going to head up to Des Moines, Iowa to check in with Troy Lust. He is a grain market analyst with FC Stone. And Troy, let's start talking about this soybean market it's been kind of interesting this week. Things were going really well. The market was moving higher until we got news that China was in the market buying U.S. soybeans. And the market's been down ever since that announcement. Well, I tell you, if you're if you're not already wore out on China news, you probably are going to be before this one's all said and done, Gary, because it's, it's one of these deals that the market is, you know, is trading rumors ahead of time, and those rumors came from the G20 summit, and and that rumor was five to eight million tons of U.S. soybeans. Now, the first thing I'll say about that, even if it's up to as high as eight million tons, that's still going to leave a U.S. soybean carryout somewhere in the neighborhood of 650 to 700 million. So it's it's definitely it's not going to fix our problem by any stretch of the imagination. But obviously, having that type of demand would help. Well, so that was the rumor going into this week, and now we've had the actual Chinese buying. And I don't, the trade has no idea whether it's completed or not, but we are kind of disappointed we're not seeing more demand today or more announcements today. But the total numbers, at least rumored by the trade so far, are somewhere between two and a half and three million tons that have been done versus earlier rumors of five to eight million tons. So as you can see, you know, it's a classic. I hate to use the overused terminology, you know, by the rumor, sell the fact, but that's definitely 
that's definitely what's coming out of the current market. Just a lot of disappointment, I guess. Yeah, it's disappointing. Although, and today the corn market's catching wind that because they're talking about buying somewhere in the neighborhood of three million tons of U.S. corn um, here in January. Now, all these purchases would be for the reserve, so they're not going to be, or supposedly not going to be used by the crushers. They, they wouldn't be for the feed markets. Uh, since it's the government buying it for the reserves, none of the tariffs would apply, or at least it wouldn't make any sense for the government to charge itself a 25% tariff. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just trying to sort out what this can mean. I, I mean, the nice part about it, it is finally a positive development in that Whatever the Trump administration is doing with China is potentially working because they are, you know, they're stepping up to the plate and giving some concessions here. Now we'll just have to see how the rest of this unfolds and, uh, you know, how much more demand we see out of it. Well, you mentioned the corn market, Troy. It looks like we've seen kind of a just a very slow, steady climb in the corn market. What other factors outside of China has been helping this market move slowly higher? That corn market, I really like the complexion of that with with the world demand. And, and really what it boils down to for corn, it's not only the cheapest feed grain here in the U.S. when you compare it to wheat values or any other values, it's also the cheapest feed grain in the world market. So it's it's really what it boils down to is good old-fashioned demand. And, you know, we had a huge uh, single-day announcement of exports last week to Mexico. And... Uh, you know, again, the positive for corn, just having the, the Mexico, you know, the lookalike NAFTA agreement, however, whatever you want to call that. They don't want to call it NAFTA any longer, but it's basically still a resumption of a NAFTA-style agreement. And Mexico's been buying uh, better relations with Canada. So there's been some good things happening there. And, and that's definitely helped out our corn market. We've seen a lot of volatility in the wheat market, Troy. Uh, that thing just seems to go up and down uh, on its own whims. What's been happening there? Well, the wheat market is in what we would like to call a transition phase. We're trying to transition away from excess to burdensome U.S. supplies with these billion bushel carryouts we've been dealing with to where we're having problems around the world and the supplies are starting to dwindle. We're becoming more and more competitive in the world market. We're seeing some of that export demand. We saw you know, the largest export sales report of the year here yesterday so far. So, you know, seeing some good things happen there in wheat, we just we're, we're struggling to get past the billion bushel burdensome carryout that we're dealing with right now. But we are we're transitioning away from that. The funds are still short wheat too. Uh, our best estimate is twenty to twenty five thousand contracts right now. So, and you're getting some weather problems going. Argentina is about fifty percent harvested on wheat, and currently experiencing torrential rains once again, which is hurting quality. And and social media, the way it is this day and age. We can get updates almost instantaneously on these problems, and people, you know how people are when you get wound up on weather. We can, we can find whatever you want to find out there as far as problems are concerned. Troy Lust with FC Stone out of Des Moines, Iowa. Thanks a lot, my friend. You bet. Take care. Thanks. Now let's switch gears and talk about the cattle market. We check in with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Hey, Carrie. Well, Dave, let's get things started by talking about this slaughter cow market. You know, we've been talking uh, ever since the summer about the fact that slaughter cow prices have been in the tank. And as we get here toward the end of the year, it looks like we're almost just giving away cull cows. Uh, very, very low prices at the auction barns. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the truth. 
That is the truth. Well, what's your analysis of that situation as it sits here at the end of the year? Well, I, I just pulled up some data. They, they say that uh, the cow slaughter is the highest it's been in, uh, in five years, as a matter of fact. And in 2018, it's, it's the highest slaughter that's, that they've had since 2012, I think it was. So that's part of it. And it's, and it's, uh, it's, mostly, due, it's mostly due to weather. And then the timing was terrible because once we got through with that glut that happened in the summer, which normally our killing cow prices go up a little bit, well, well, they didn't this year because of that glut. And then we got into the fall run, which they're normally lower. And so that's where we are. You know, it's just a, it's just a mess for sure. Do you feel like still that it's a situation where if you can – carry over coal cows into the spring that it'll pay off? Oh, definitely. I, I really do. I, I, I truly believe that. Well, let's talk about the calf market next. Uh, when you look at the auction barn prices coming out of Louisiana, definitely seeing uh, lower prices here at the end of the year on the calves, especially the heavier weights. Yeah, and and there again, it goes right back. It goes right back to the weather. Uh, we were looking in, in, in August, uh, certainly in, in when we got into September, uh, this wheat situation, the grazing of the wheat looked, looked great. And, uh, and then all of a sudden those rains started coming in and that, that messed us up. So here's what we had. We had, uh, we had a situation where the backgrounding yards that they were, they were buying our calves and, and, and sending them to the backgrounding yards to get ready to go on to wheat, well, they, they got muddy and everything, and, they, and so they didn't want to take delivery of those, of, of those calves, especially the unweaned calves. They didn't want to, they didn't want to take delivery of those because of the uh, muddy conditions and all the health problems, and they've had to, death loss has been really, really pretty high there. And the same way with the feedlots. The feedlots got into the same problem with, with all that, that weather moving through uh, up through the feeding areas, they got into muddy conditions. And so it, it, it really has been a, it really has been, my nature has not been our friend in 2018 in agriculture for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we hear a lot of the stories about soybean farmers, cotton farmers, a lot of the row crop guys dealing with bad situations because of the weather, but that's also the case for our cattle folks. It's been a tough year. Uh, from dry pastures throughout the summer to wet conditions here in the fall. No doubt. I mean, that's exactly what has happened. And, and, uh, and it, you know, it, it just, it just magnifies it because we've had, we've had rain and then, and then we, we, uh, it was dry. Then, it, then we started haying and it couldn't, we could, it, it wouldn't quit raining every other day or two days in a row, whatever, whatever. So here we are sitting with, uh, People looking for hay to to move their cat, you know, to to winter their their herd over and all that sort of stuff. And it just has been a boy, it's been a bear for us to try to do things for sure. Every person that I talk to in the cattle business is short on hay this year. I I, I have yet to find somebody who says, "Oh yeah, I've got plenty in the barn." Yeah, yeah, that's that's about the, the size of it. The majority of the people are just exactly in that in that situation for sure. Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Dave, you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We'll talk to you next year. That'll be great. Thank you.
Coming up next, it's time to take a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar. We'll see if there's anything going on for the rest of this year and take a peek into 2019. That's next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This is Trace Atkins for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. Believe it or not, your food doesn't come from the grocery store. It just may have been grown on a farm right here in Louisiana. And those jeans you're wearing may have come from a Louisiana cotton farm. Louisiana's farmers and ranchers take pride in producing the food and fiber that we all use in our daily lives. So each time you sit down to a meal or get dressed for the day, thank a Louisiana farmer or rancher. The Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. Now to wrap up this week's podcast, let's take a look at what's coming up this week on the Louisiana Ag Calendar. On the Louisiana Ag Calendar, the rest of 2018 is all clear. And of course, that's to be expected as close as we are to Christmas and New Year's. But once we get past New Year's, things really crank up, especially when you look at national meetings coming to Louisiana. We've mentioned this in previous podcasts, but this just seems to be the year for national ag meetings coming to New Orleans. Let's run down some of these meetings January 8th through 10th. It's the Beltwide Cotton Conferences being held in New Orleans. January 9th, it's the Louisiana Rice Council and Louisiana Rice Growers Association meeting in Jennings. Then on January 11th through the 16th, we're back to New Orleans for the American Farm Bureau Federation's 100th anniversary convention. January 18th through the 19th is the Northeast Louisiana Ag Expo in Monroe. Then January 23rd through the 26th, it's the American Sheep Industry Convention in New Orleans. January 26th is the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmer and Rancher Leadership Conference in Iberia. Then January 29th, the LSU Ag Center's Data and Technology Conference in Alexandria. January 30th through February 1st, another big national meeting in New Orleans. It's the Cattle Industry Convention and NCBA Trade Show. So as you can see, the month of January, very full with both national meetings as well as a handful of local Louisiana meetings being held here in the state. That is a look at the Louisiana Ag Calendar, and that puts the wraps on Episode 23 of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, our final podcast for 2018. I thank you once again for listening all year long, and we're looking forward to putting out some great podcasts for you coming up in the new year. I want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and a very prosperous 2019. Merry Christmas, everyone. We'll see you next year on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Join us again next week. This podcast is produced by Carrie Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.